0: Plot twist. It's not Kyle, people. It's your boy, Dallas, at Sal Galore, and it's officially SmackDown Takeover Week. Unfortunately, due to conflicts of scheduling, our main man, Kyle, will not be here for broadcasting purposes on the DWZ Network this illustrious week 14 and the last official bye week of the NFL 2021 season. But don't worry, I'm filling in in the hot seat here to give you all of the fun little waiver wire nuggets that we have with our final four teams being out as well as you'll be able to catch me on Thursday for our normal start sit segment um yeah so it's fun guys uh, I'll try and keep this short and sweet as our normal host Kyle typically does and we'll dive right in so week 14 like I said is the last waiver wire week it's the last one we have to deal with buys other than that it's just injuries and it is basically the last week feeding into the playoffs for most fantasy football formats. Um, I have a couple of leagues that basically did not alter their playoff schedule, so I do actually have a couple that I'll be starting this week 14, as I'm sure is the case with a lot of you out there as well. But in all reality, this is a very important week, even if you're not in the playoffs, because there's a lot of leagues out there with a lot of teams in that middle range. Um, I know me personally in my leagues, there's about five of them where over half the league is basically within a game of each other. And so this last week really is going to come in and make a huge push, either to push you down the leaderboard or up the leaderboard for those playoff runs. So diving right in, looking at the QB position, the main quarterbacks we're missing this week are going to be Wentz, Tua, Jalen Hurts. and Mac Jones. So right there, you're looking at two top 12 quarterbacks that are going to be out this week, including the former uh, QB1 prior to his injury that kept him out this week, as well as two main streamers that we have in Tua and Jones that have been pretty consistent producers for your fantasy team over the last couple of weeks. Um, Diving right in, I've got five at the QB position that I am interested in. Um, The one that is still shocking me, and I know that Kyle has talked about a couple of the former weeks, is Tyler Heineke. Um, He's going up against Dallas, and he is only owned in 30% of leagues. Uh, Unlike Kyle, I do not have access to a Yahoo leaderboard due to the fact that I don't have any Yahoo teams, but I do have an ESPN team, so these are all going to be based off of ESPN um, ownership percentages um he's currently the QB 15 on the year he's been extremely consistent and I don't understand how he's still only 30 percent owned doesn't matter the matchups that he's gone up against when it goes to defenses his rushing floor as well as his just overall efficiency he's not a guy that goes deep on you attempting to get those huge chunk plays but he will be the guy that completes 85 percent of his passes for two touchdowns and about 280 yards every single week which is what I want in the quarterback position and he's a great fill-in against Dallas who although they have created a lot of turnovers heineke is not the type of quarterback to give you those huge turnover numbers so i'm excited for him to play in a divisional matchup where i think he wants it the team wants it and washington overall is still vying for that playoff spot and the division lead with a team like dallas Coming in at number two on the quarterback is Mr. Taysom Hill. Um, Anyone who watched the waiver, not the waiver wire, sorry, the start shit show last week understands that I'm not a huge Taysom Hill guy. Um, He is going up, however, against the New York Jets, who have the worst rush defense in all of the league. And that is what Taysom Hill does amazingly. Um, He's currently only 36% rostered in ESPN leagues. And that run D is just too tasty. You're looking at most likely another 100 yard game on the ground, which is the floor you're looking for as a streaming quarterback option. Number three is probably the most consistent quarterback that there has been over the last month or so, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going up against Cincinnati, who's been pretty much Swiss cheese in the back end. We just saw Justin Herbert absolutely destroy the Cincinnati defense. Um, Injuries are starting to mount up a little bit on the back end, including uh, Chidori Awuzie, they're starting nickel corner, and Jesse Bates getting both dinged up in this last game. Um, Jimmy G has been extremely consistent. He's basically the uh, poster child for what Tyler Haneke is attempting to do this season. And even without his main guy, Debo, the extreme efficiency monster coming out of both the backfield and the slot for him, um, the offense was ticking, and we basically saw the flashback to the 2019 Jimmy and the reliance on George Kittle in his breakout season. Um, Jimmy G has 17 points in five of the last six games, and I expect that as the healthy floor for him going into week 14 against the Cincinnati defense. Number four for me is Cam Newton. This one is a little bit hard to rank um, just due to the fact that we've seen Basically, one of Cam Newton's best games of the last couple of years and one of his worst games of the last couple of years back to back since he's been re-signed with Carolina. But he's going up against Atlanta. The defense is pretty bad, and he's only earned it owned in 35% of the leagues. He has the same rush floor that you look at with Taysom. His is more touchdown dependent, but it's pretty heavily reliant on the touchdowns. And the fact that Christian McCaffrey is now out for the remainder of the year means that he's definitely going to be getting that goal line work. So look for him to have a healthy floor against Atlanta. Look to push the ball a little bit more than he typically does and hopefully complete more than five passes like we saw the last time he was on the field. Looking at number five for me at the quarterback position is actually Big Ben. He's been hot and cold, um, but going up against this Minnesota defense, which is easily the worst pass defense in the entire league and being only 15% owned in most leagues, Uh, that Minnesota pass defense is too easy to pass up. It doesn't basically matter the quarterback that is going to be facing them. They are going to give him a 300-yard game, and he's probably going to have a couple scores. Um, This offense hasn't been abysmal. They keep winning games, even if it isn't the most efficient way and the prettiest of ways. But Big Ben, every couple of weeks, kind of has a blowout, about three touchdown performance. I expect the same this week against Minnesota. So going into the running back position, my top fives, Um, This is the ugliest out of all of the groups that I'm going to talk about on the waiver wire edition for this week. Um, There's not a lot to add, and that's not crazy to consider the fact that people have basically been telling you to pick up running backs and stash them on your waivers uh basically for the last two weeks preparing for that playoff push um the number one guy for me at the running back position is samaj p ryan. joe mixon left the game uh, this last week against the chargers with a neck injury he's only earned it about f- owned in about 40 percent of leagues and with mixon out we've seen p ryan be successful um, puka williams saw a little bit of work but primarily he was used in the return game it was pretty much samaj p ryan's entire game he got you double digits in standard ppr format He's shown an ability to catch the ball in a similar way as Joe Mixon. And the way that this team typically does well is by relying on the ground game and getting those big chunk games uh, gains on the pass. So I expect Samaje Piran to have a pretty safe workload, as well as the number two guy on this list, Dante Foreman. He's only still owned in 35% of leagues. Um, back-to-back, I actually have Dante Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard, both the new replacements for Derrick Henry. And we thought that they were going to transition a little bit more into a pass-happy offense with henry going down but they're basically just attempting to do the exact same thing that they were doing with henry with a split workload of two guys that are basically b minus versions of derrick henry um they are very consistent they've both been averaging over four yards a carry on the season since coming in and getting snaps they both went over 100 yards on the game last time they were in there before they're so i look for both Freeman and Hilliard both at 35% ownership to be pretty cheap buys that you can get for pretty good production. I've been having Donta Foreman on my roster since the second that Henry went down and he hasn't underperformed for me. He's been a pretty reliable option as a flex option with all of the running back injuries that we've had and it's pretty nice that both of them are still so readily available. Number four on the running back list for me is a gross one and that is Adrian Peterson. I don't want anything to do with him, but for some God unknown reason Seattle signed him started him immediately and he looked like absolute garbage except for the touchdown that he got that's the only thing that saved his day and he's going to continue to get that work for some reason because the seattle front office might be one of the worst three in the league at this point with their decision making um i don't know about you guys but watching dj dallas have extremely explosive plays in the return game and the occasional reception that he sprinkled in on and then not get used at all on a consistent basis in this running back rotation even though the running back core for seattle is doing horrifically on the ground and in the pass game is one of the most infuriating things for me. Um, But yeah, AP is a solid pickup. You can't really pick up DJ Dallas, even though I want to tell you to and I would not be starting AP, but you know, running back depth is running back depth, and uh, this is that point of year where you're going to pick up anyone that might be able to get you a touchdown. Going on in the number five position, and a guy I actually don't really recommend for you to pick up, but he's pretty much the only name left on the waiver wire, is Mr. Peyton Barber. Um, We basically have Kenyon Drake now out for the rest of the season. He had a fractured ankle in this last week's game. He was being sprinkled in with the pass down work, but we finally saw this last week, Josh Jacobs starting to get that work, so we're hoping that Josh Jacobs continues to get this reception work and this work on the ground. But if for some reason they regress back to their old habits of the last couple of weeks and like to split out the receiving work, I would expect Peyton Barber, who's the only other healthy back on this backfield outside of rookie Trey Rogas to step in and get some work he's not great. He's a guy that only produces for you on volume. He might fall into the end zone if they get a little bit cheeky, um, but he is basically the fifth best option at this point in the season on the running back waivers. Going into the wide receiver position, you're basically just going to be missing uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and Jalen Waddle this week, two surprise performers based off of where they're ranked currently in the wide receiver pool, and you'd be a little bit concerned if you have them, but there are a ton of wide receiver options that I'm actually super excited about. All three of my top three ads for the week. Sorry, not all three. I guess we'd say two out of the top three for me are from the wide receiver position. The number one overall for me, both on the week and at the wide receiver position is Russell Gage versus Carolina this week. Russell Gage is still somehow only 25% owned in ESPN leagues. He has seen nine targets in eight receptions average over the last three games for Atlanta. Just from a PPR, even half PPR standpoint, when you're looking at that, that is gold. He's getting basically all the volume that you were expecting from Calvin Ridley. He's not performing in the same vein as Calvin Ridley would be with said targets, but he is consistently catching the ball and giving you a very safe floor. He got into the end zone this last week, got you about 17 points in a PPR standpoint, and he's the only guy stepping up in this passing offense outside of Cordell Patterson since They're basically triple-coveraging pits at all times. Number two on both my weekly ranking and on my wide receiver ranking overall, regardless of position, would be K.J. Osborne, the Minnesota wide receiver that we've seen flash, the deep speed guy, And he's going up against Pittsburgh this week. He's only 30% owned in ESPN leagues, and it's going to be targets galore. Adam Thielen is confirmed with a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss a couple of weeks. They may very well just shut him down for the remainder of the year due to the fact that they're not in playoff contention anymore. What does that mean? You're going to see exactly what we saw. This last weekend against the Detroit Lions, KJ Osborne, eight targets, seven receptions. You're expecting that type of target volume. And with Kirk Cousins, we've seen the deep shot actually be extremely efficient, both with Justin Jefferson and with KJ Osborne this year. I expect it to be a very good play going forward. He's a very cheap pickup. Like I said, he's, only avail- he's available in 70% of leagues. He's probably on your waiver wire. People probably didn't like to play the game of trying to guess which game he was going to go off in when everyone was healthy, but now you don't have to worry about that. I'm picking up KJ Osborne pretty much anywhere that he's available on the waiver wire. I'm using a lot of my fab budget to pick up both Russell and um, KJ over the next week. Just hoping that they can fill in for any of the waiver, uh, you know, not the waiver, the wide receiver injuries or the flex spot fill ins that I'm going to need for my playoff run. Number three is a pretty common name for me. I've talked about him in a couple of different formats, including uh, including on the Start Sit show with our man Kyle, and that's Jamison Crowder with the Jets. Um, He's going up against New Orleans this week. He's only owned in 25% of ESPN leagues, and he has seen an average of six targets in six. Of the sorry, not averaged, he has seen six targets or more in six of the last seven games since coming back from his injury. And now, with Corey Davis most likely getting shut down for the season with yet another re injury of that ankle injury that kept him out on IR. Jameson Crowder steps immediately into that wide receiver two option. Uh, We finally saw what we can consider to be at least a little bit of a competent day from our guy, Zach Wilson, at the quarterback position for the Jets. And it really doesn't matter. Again, I'm looking at floor plays, guys. I can stick in my flex and wide receiver two possession. And if you're telling me I can basically start the week with a guaranteed six points as a flex position, and then it's just all yardage and touchdown upside after that sign me up. Jameson Crowder is another guy just like KJ Osborne and Russell Gage where the volume's there and that is going to continue to my next two guys at the wide receiver position. All of these guys have been seeing incredible target volume and reception volume over the last three to four weeks. Number three on this list is Josh Reynolds. He is 2% Owned on ESPN leagues, and he's going up against Denver. Now the Denver pass defense is good, that's why he's sitting at number four for me. But Josh Reynolds has seen twelve total targets of the last two weeks, and he's seen eighty-five plus percent of the snap share at the wide receiver position. He's not a blocking option. He's not that good of a blocker, and he is still Jared Goff's favorite option. You can make fun of that Rams connection as much as you want, but it seems to be real, and it seems to be here to stay. He's the only consistent target sharer, as TJ Hawkinson, for some reason, is fading out into the ether as we enter the playoff realm, which is a sad look for anyone who spent highly on him in the offseason. But Josh Reynolds is a fun flex play. I consider him a pretty safe floor guy in the same vein as Jamison Crowder as that target share is not very big to the other wide receivers Um, I'm not buying into the Amon Ross St. Brown game it's the only time he's seen over four targets since week one going on to number five is a name that no one thought we would be talking about at this point six years after he was drafted but it is Mr. Laquan Treadwell with the Jacksonville Jaguars for some reason They continue to throw the ball 40-plus times every week. They refuse to rely on the run game, even though it's being consistently producing for them, regardless of who's in the backfield. And the Jacksonville Jaguars will continue to throw the ball. What does that mean? 13 targets of the last two weeks for Laquan Treadwell, a 90-plus percent snap share in both of the last two weeks, and he's continuing to see insane insane, insane target share on this Jacksonville Jaguars team. He's their third round option. And I saw two to three big, wow, third down conversions where basically Trevor Lawrence just tunnel visioned in on him and forced the ball two out of the three times into like double coverage to Laquan Treadwell. He's having a little bit of a revitalized career. He had the athleticism. He just never really saw the target share. And Laquan Treadwell has gone back-to-back weeks of surpassing his previously high target rates of seven. At first, it was six targets last week, and then he got seven this week. He has basically set the record for his own career over the last two weeks, which is wild six years into his career, but he's a pretty safe floor in the same vein as Joff Reynolds. Um, I don't trust anything about this Jacksonville offense. That's why he's number five for me, but all five of these guys can realistically be stuck into your lineups this week and most likely produce with a floor of honest expectations of double-digit that 10 to 11 point range in your flex as a PPR option, just from their reception floor. Going into the tight ends. Uh, we are missing quite a few big names. We're missing Mike Gesecki, Hunter Henry, and Dallas Goddard. Um, Goddard exploded this last week. As you guys know, unfortunately, he's going to be on the shelf because of the bye week, as well as Gesecki, who has been a little bit slow the last couple of weeks, but is still to his favorite target. And then Hunter Henry, basically Mr. Touchdown um, this season. But you are looking for me as my number two overall option on the week, regardless of position in Cole commit versus the green Bay Packers. He's only owned in 12% of the leagues. I told you guys not to start him last week. And that was a smart decision because against Arizona, he had the target volume, but he was still shut down just two receptions, a little under 30 yards, not a great game from commit, but he has seen 18 total targets over the last two weeks guys. And if you expand that out to the last five weeks, he's averaged six targets a game over the last five games. It's nuts. He's seeing the volume. It doesn't matter the quarterback that's in there. They like to go Komet's way. It's just been a little bit weird where they're basically bringing in Jimmy Graham as soon as they get to the one or two yard line just because they're doing this weird option out route where he is just wide open at the corner every single time. It's the only way that Chicago Bears are scoring touchdowns right now. It's terrifying. I hate the team. It's very sad as a Bears fan, but Cole Komet is the only shining light. He and Darnell Mooney are the target hogs in this offense and against a Green Bay linebacking core that has been suspect against the tight end on the year sign me up for them commit shares this week again only 12 percent owned in espn leaks number two is another guy that in a similar vein to kj osborne is going to see a massive uptick in targets due to the same reason and that is tyler conklin Uh, me and kyle both kind of crapped on him in last week's show just due to the confusing usage that has been happening but that confusing usage pattern went right out the window when adam Thielen got hurt with again the high ankle sprain in the first quarter conklin saw nine targets This last week, expect a very similar thing. Basically, the offense is going to run through Tyler Conklin, K.J. Osborne, and our boy Jamar Jefferson, uh, not Jamar Jefferson, sorry, Justin Jefferson, uh, over the next couple weeks as they most likely rest Thielen with that high ankle sprain and hope to get Dalvin Cook back at some point. Um, The target glore is going to be there, and again, he's only 34% owned. He's actually the highest ownership of any of the tight ends on this list. Number four is a guy that is kind of stepped immediately into a heavy pass usage role based off of the red zone usage, and that's John Bates. Everyone's favorite rookie that no one ever talked about. He was my tight end five coming into the season just based off of how I liked him. Um, he's going against Dallas. Um, they've been pretty good just for the linebacking core. It's pretty hard to throw against him, but with this Washington defense, it predicates itself on throwing to the tight end when they're inside the red zone. And that's exactly what we saw once again with John Bates taking over for the very sad torn ACL of Logan Thomas that happened in last week's game. He's done for the year. John Bates steps in with Ricky seal Jones injured. And just like we were streaming Ricky seals Jones over the last couple weeks, when we were waiting for uh Sorry, I just blanked his name for Logan Thomas to come back from IR. We're going to be doing the exact same thing with John Bates. Um, The door is wide open for production. And again, he's only owned in 2% of ESPN leagues. It's actually even lower on sleeper outside of Dynasty. My number four option at the tight end is another fun one. It's a deep position, and that's David Njoku versus Baltimore. He's only 4% owned, and we've seen a definite target shift in Cleveland over the last five weeks. In the last three weeks, he's seen 13 total targets, which is actually number three on the team, which is pretty surprising just based off of how little they're throwing in Cleveland. Their offense is a little weird, but we've seen the athleticism. We've seen the touchdown upside and the big reception, total yardage upside that you can get with a guy like Njoku. So for a team, basically grasping at straws for receiving options, now since sending OBJ Out And with a banged up Jarvis Landry, sign me up for Njoku as a low end streamer, most likely going to be in that mid to high range tight end two this week against Baltimore. That is still suspect against the tight end. And the last positional player to go over is Jared Cook. He is 38 percent owned, but he's seen 14 targets of the last three weeks. Uh, Parham is getting one to two targets basically in the red zone which is nice for that touchdown upside. But for consistent work purposes, um, for some reason, Herbert's still going Jared Cook's way on third down. So if you're looking for a target volume and reception volume floor at the tight end position, specifically if you're in a tight end premium, I think I would be leaning Jared Cook as opposed to Parham just for the consistent usage purposes. So transitioning, as Kyle always says, to everyone's favorite section, it is the DSTs. Um, Number one this week, I picked up a couple of weeks ago because their playoff run is extremely nice. It is the Denver Broncos, versus the Detroit Lions this week guys they have a 24 percent ownership on ESPN over the last six games they've allowed an average of 14 points per game and they've had eight takeaways over that exact same span including two against the Kansas City Chiefs last night following up with number two on the list is that Kansas City uh, Kansas City defense they're going up against Las Vegas and the last time that they went up against Las Vegas, they absolutely demolished them. Since week five, that blowout loss to Buffalo, nobody has been better on a DST level than the Chiefs. They're the number one defense since week five. They're allowing basically 11 points a game over that, I guess that would make it eight-week span, And you just really don't want to play your players against him unless you're, I guess, we would call it Javante Williams. He's pretty much the only one that had a good game. Uh, They're a takeover machine right now, and just expect that to continue against Las Vegas that's kind of looking for their identity on offense again with so many injuries this year. Number three for me is the Tennessee Titans versus Jacksonville. They're only 20% ownership. They've been pretty solid on the year, and their last game against Jacksonville is what I'm really looking at. Trevor Lawrence isn't impressing me this year. It was a 19-point game scoring for Jacksonville. They had four takeaways, a touchdown, and three sacks in that game. They went absolutely bonkers, and I expect a very similar defense. Now that everyone's starting to get kind of healthy, under the radar, Julio Jones is coming back. A.J. Brown has one more week until they're back, and this run game is officially there. If they play keep away, it's going to force Jacksonville to try and throw the ball deep, and then that's where they get themselves into trouble. Number four on the DST is Seattle versus Houston. Um, I know if I had said Seattle is a recommended defensive start about – Four weeks ago, everyone would have laughed me away, but in that four-week strand, they've allowed 20 points per game, which is pretty average on the league as a whole. They're only 15% owned, and in those four games, they've had four takeaways. In that same four-game stretch, Houston has only been averaging 11 points per game on offense, so I look for that trend to continue. Seattle's trying to basically tooth and nail fight their way for a win. We've had two back-to-back weird, weird, weird weeks with Seattle um, that they somehow are scraping away wins. I expect them to just blow the doors off of Houston in an attempt to make a foolhardy run for a playoff spot in 2021. And the last one is the Green Bay Packers versus Chicago. Um, they're also 20% ownership. They've been extremely spotty on the year, but this is the same situation that I'm looking at with the Tennessee versus Jacksonville game. Um, Chicago's offense has been suspect at best. You may be getting Justin Fields back this coming up week, but I don't think it's going to make a difference. Um, they've been extremely dominant over the years and this year against Chicago and then if Andy Dalton is starting Andy Dalton has six turnovers of the last two games and I expect that to be a trend that continues against the Green Bay Packers who pretty much have their number. And that is all the lovely positions on the waiver wire. Like I said, guys, running back is a little bit suspect, but all the other positions actually have quite a few starters this week, which is surprising to me that may be able to help you. I understand if you're in dynasty leagues, this may not help you, but for redraft specifically, there's a lot of guys you can add to your teams and add to your rosters specifically at the wide receiver tight end and flex position this week that'll really be able to help you out. Again, my number three, overall regardless of position is mr kj osborne my number two overall regardless of position is cole Komet, where if he just starts getting the touchdowns woo baby watch out and my number one overall regardless of position is russell gage he has been pretty much calvin Ridley light over the last month and i expect that to continue for atlanta in a pretty easy matchup again expect to hear my voice on Thursday for the live Start Sit Show. And it's been a good time to talk about the waiver wire pickups. This has been the SmackDown, your guest host, Dallas. And you can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. Catch me in the chat. If you're not part of the Patreon, you should be. Other than that, guys, I'm signing off. And until next time, we'll talk some rookies.